guys, are you sick and tired of living in an emotional merry-go-round? And are you ready for a mental makeover? Well, get prepared because the Mind Massage event is coming your way. The Mind Massage is designed to move you towards lighter days. It will transform you from head clutter to clarity and quiet the emotional bully that is taking over your mind. Learn how to manage stress and overwhelm thought patterns. Identify the stresses in your life that could be impacting your sleep, energy, digestion, and hormones. Understand how to get out of emotional groundhog day and learn the science behind how the body and mind communicate and how it impacts your well-being. Early bird tickets are now on sale, so make sure you head on over to theinspiredoptimist.com, but be quick because this event will sell out. It's now time for today's episode of the Inspired Optimist podcast. Today I have special guest Deanne Hislop, building biologist from Building Biology WA on the show. Listen up as we discuss how your work and home living environment could be affecting your health and what you can start doing about it today. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Inspired Optimist with your host, Dr. Jacinta DiPrinzio, inspiring you to create a life that is healthy, bright, and full of light. Welcome, everyone, to another recording of The Inspired Optimist podcast. I'm your host, Jacinta, and today I'm sitting with a great friend of mine, Deanne Hislop. Yep, glad I got that right. Um, And she is a building biologist. Her business is called Building Biology WA. So thanks so much for being here, Deanne. Thanks. It's great to share the uh, knowledge and increase the awareness. Awesome. So um, the first question I have for you is totally unrelating to building biology, but it's a hairy one that everyone gets. And that is basically, what is your definition of happiness? Oh, my definition of happiness is definitely... Um, being able to feel love with no external influence. So um, when we get to a point where we're looking for nothing outside of the body and we're finding everything within the body and within our own connection, that would be happiness. Oh, my God. I, I think that's the best answer. That's, so <laughs> that's awesome. So let's get stuck straight into it. Jen, what the hell is building biology? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'd like to say, you know, it's a new field, um, but it's really not. It was developed in 1960 by Anton Schneider, a German fellow, and basically it explores um, the relationship between a person's health and the built environment. So it's based on 25 different principles, um, and we basically go in and evaluate someone's built environment, assess um, their exposure to environmental factors, and then correlate that back to what's happening in their life as far as their health goes. Great. So we're talking more, obviously, the home and work environment and how that affects your health, right? Yep. So a building biologist will cover everything from air contaminants and pollutants, uh, allergens, water contamination to EMF, uh, electromagnetic fields, radio frequencies, dirty electricity, um, all the way through to things like mold, water damage. And we even get involved in things like uh green building design or healthy building design green doesn't necessarily mean healthy so um, yeah anything from the way that we live in our built environment the way that we build our environment and the materials in there to what's actually in there and affecting our health 
Yeah. So when I first met you, I had never heard of this before and it totally just blew my mind. Why is it not more common knowledge about your home health and your building environment? Um, yeah, why is it not more well-known? I think, um, you know, despite um, sick building syndrome being officially recognised by the World Health Organisation in 1986, it's still not actually officially recognized as an issue so so what is that sick building syndrome sick building syndrome so that's where something in the built environment is contributing to or being the main cause of your illness wow okay so can you tell me a little bit more about that so anything from you know we know people that are living in uh, buildings with high amounts of lead or even an environment with high amounts of lead we've got asbestos um, you know someone who's being affected who might be suffering uh, chronic inflammatory response syndrome from biotoxins um, you know copper toxification of you know from water systems there are so many factors anything that is contributing to you know specifically from that built environment great so i heard you talk a little bit about different conditions there but what are some things you find more specifically um, that have a very high link to their environment so i know that things like eczema etc i've had clients who have had to put filters on their water systems in the shower because of the chlorine etc what are some of the things that you find that people are suffering with that are coming directly from their environment at home um, definitely a lot of chronic fatigue patients. Um, that is probably the number one um, issue that for myself as a building biologist I see. And a lot of that is because, you know, they've been through so many different avenues, um, you know, from doctors to naturopaths, and then they finally, you know, have, have Googled the hell out of, you know, their conditions and think it might be environmental. And when we enter that built environment, we're often seeing mold as a number one cause for chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, obviously, you know, in Australia, 20% have of children have um, allergies. We've got one in four suffering from asthma. And there's so many things in the built environment from dust um, to, you know, house dust mites to pollens, all sorts of things that are contributing to that. It's such a it's such a broad field when we look at environmental health that there are so many different areas it can be. Yeah, so um, like you said, mould was one big one, yeah? How does that actually work? How does having mould in your house affect the way your health is? So when someone... So 24% of the population are unable to um, produce antibodies to mould. And on top of that, there is 10% that will suffer a debilitating... Um, illness as as a result of mold exposure so what happens is when that person enters a building that has mold um, or you know some form of water damage is that the immune system is unable to produce an antibody to that it then creates an inflammatory response which is why it's often called chronic inflammatory response syndrome and it means that every time they are exposed, the body becomes inflamed. Um, the immune system just goes into overwhelm, but becomes very, very ineffective in how it's dealing with it. So someone who's not mold sensitive would go into that building. They would be subjected to some mold. They would produce an antibody for that. There might be a little slight inflammatory response. And then that would be excreted out of the body. The next time they are exposed to it, it would literally, you know, they wouldn't even know that they were exposed because that immune response has been set up, the body starts to remove it, um, but that 
you know, that mold patient that is unable to produce antibodies just continually has that inflammatory response. And we know that chronic fatigue is often in relation to that. Yeah, what I'm sort of thinking about here is the effect that that might have on asthma in kids and that sort of thing. Do you see that a lot? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one sort of, there are several alarm bells that always go off for me when someone calls because as a building biologist, you get these phone calls and someone says, you know, this is my symptoms, I think it's environmental. And when, you know, the the alarm bells for mould are, you know, my children have, you know, um, dermatitis. Um, I've now got food insensitivities that I didn't have before. Um, uh, you know, chronic sinusitis and um, respiratory infections. My children are on their, you know, 16th set of antibiotics this year. What's going on? Um, you know, those sorts of things where, you know, even down to things like oral thrush um, and getting, you know, um, when the immune system is shattered from biotoxins, all sorts of things start going on. It suppresses melatonin. We see that the body isn't able to um, get its microbiome right. You know, there's so many sort of knock-on effects from that. And also the biotoxin patient will then often suffer from, um, you know, chemicals, multiple chemical sensitivity and electrosensitivity. So often what they're presenting as far as um, symptoms go are a combination of so many things that have that have all come together. So... Yeah. So I heard you mention there melatonin and this is, I love melatonin. Yeah. Um, very important for the sleep-wake cycle and that sort of thing. So um, I've heard you talk a bit before about what other things in the home may affect that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So melatonin should be put on a pedestal. It is <laughs> it is my number one, you know, favorite hormone in the body by far. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people... Um, um, don't understand just to the the actual extent that it works in the body and we sit there and we take all these different you know antioxidants and turmeric and all these things when the number one free radical scavenger in the body is melatonin and to me you know if you're looking for good health and especially as you mentioned good sleep we need to be protecting the pineal gland we need to be protecting our melatonin production so you know, things that we know interfere with that is most definitely fluoride and its ability to calcify the pineal gland. Um, we also know, you know, blue light, nothing diminishes melatonin like blue light. And being within a high amounts of EMF will also um, hugely affect our melatonin. And that's why when doing electromagnetic uh, frequency testing in homes, you know, we always encourage people to reduce their exposure to that. What is that? I remember the first time you said that to me, I said, I thought to myself, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) I still say that and I know what it is. Um, I think physics was probably one of the hardest subjects I've ever had to do. But um, so electromagnetic fields are like a little sine wave that comes off um, emitting devices. So things like your, your, um, your Wi-Fi, your mobile phone, your cordless phone, baby monitors, which are probably my biggest pet hate. Um, wireless baby monitors, really uncool, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, phone towers, and then down to things like, um, you know, overhead power lines, um, smart meters, again, something really dangerous that we should be looking into. Um, anything that basically emits a field. So we've got electromagnetic fields, we've got radio frequencies, 
that which are pulsed or non-pulsed. We've got dirty electricity, electric fields, and magnetic fields. So it really is, you know, it's it's a huge area on its own. And I think anyone looking to make improvements in their home or life when it comes to these areas should be working alongside a building biologist. Okay, so we will get into a little bit later about how we can action some of those steps to, you know, start getting your home environment and work environment healthy again. Um, But I did hear you touch on fluoride and I did do a full podcast on this, but I would love your perspective of, you know, how fluoride in our waters is affecting our health. Um, Sure. And um, I don't know you get a lot of yeah, so um, you know, I think I think fluoride is, falls into one of those categories for me, which so many there are so many environmental factors that do, and that's because it's normal for us does not mean it's great. And you know, in Australia, fluoride is the norm. Um, we're within a very small minority, under five percent of the world, that actually fluoridate, and that is based on ethical. Um, factors as far as um you know you wouldn't put a pharmaceutical drug into the water to medicate everyone with no control over dosing um and that is the reality for 95 percent of the world unfortunately here we have a different stand to that um i'm i am very against fluoride and one of the reasons is that even the nhmrc study which came out recently um in 2016 did not um put a single study or did not involve a single study of children under the age of five and neurodevelopmental diseases um, or neurodevelopmental function. And we know that, you know, we've got um, multiple studies and replicated studies and dose-related studies that show loss of IQ with increased fluoride. We have dentists saying not to use fluoride for children under the age, you know, certain ages, yet it's okay for us to reconstitute baby formula with it. It's very contradictory. They are assuming safety in the absence of any information, despite there being vast amounts of information on it. So for me, and and it puts people in a difficult situation because it means that they've then got to use some sort of reverse osmosis and then remineralize the water before using it. When if we didn't have fluoride in the water, we'd be able to be using sort of activated carbon filters that are a lot less expensive and do a great job and keep the minerals that we want in the water. Um, I, def- I have a reverse osmosis filter and I love it. But like you said, it is a pain in the butt because, you know, you've got to remineralize it, like you said, and you can really never get it back to the original quality of those minerals back in back in the water. So you can definitely do that with yeah. things like Himalayan salts, etc. But I believe that you really can't get it as pure as maybe you could or should if it was yeah. just coming straight through our taps without the fluoride in it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, often people have a bit of a play around with remineralizing the water and they might put extra magnesium in there. And I'm not sure if anyone's ever tasted magnesium salts, but it's not nice and then they don't like the water they've created. You know, it's, it's a good it's for the bowels. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what else is in our water system then? So obviously fluoride, but what other things are you finding in people's homes that are coming through the water? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the biggest things is we need to be so protective of our gut microbiome. You know, I don't need to go into that. I think everyone's aware of just how incredible it is. And we know that chlorine chlorine is there to, you know, kill the bacteria. And, you know, we want those bacteria to thrive. So drinking chlorinated water is obviously a huge issue. Now, a lot of people, um, you know, complain that they put chloride in the water, but um, 
I'm not sure that I'd want to be drinking water that's gone after, you know, through kilometres and kilometres of disgusting old pipes <laughs> that, you know, 50, 60 years old um, with bits of cement and, you know, benzenes infiltrating through there and bits of PVC leaching. Um, you know, we need things in there to kill the bacteria within there. Um, so point of use filters are really important. And, you know, one thing I remember living in the, you know, I lived in London for a number of years and I would see so many people with things like eczema and skin conditions and using a simple uh, KDF, which is a kinetic degradation filter, which is about between 40 and $60 reduces the chlorine that's coming out of or removes the chlorine coming out of the shower head. And that's, you know, I've seen people recover from eczema with just doing that one simple thing. Yeah, that's amazing. This episode of the Inspired Optimist podcast will continue very soon. If you're enjoying this episode and think that one of your loved ones would benefit from this information, make sure you share it with them. And of course, give me a five-star rating on iTunes. It is now time for the rest of the show. Listen up as we discuss what you can start doing to transform the health of your work and home environment today. So, Jan, we've learned all about how um, our home and work environment can affect our health. It is a very big and overwhelming topic, I find. I know that when I first heard about this, it was almost that sense of, well, um, you're going to die of something. So, you know, <laughs> like why are we now diving into our home environment? I didn't really, um, I felt like it was quite overwhelming. But I, I have heard you speak about some things that we can do that make huge drastic effects um, in that environment. So, yeah, I'd love for you to go over those. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, one of the, one of the first things that I learned in science was that an organism's ability to thrive depends on its environment. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind. And when we talk about in environment, we are talking about nutrition as well. But, you know, looking beyond that, you know, I don't know if you've ever lived in a place that you've not felt right in or you've noticed that you had no energy in or you've gone home to a place and you lose all motivation there. Um, but, you know, this is this happens all the time. And when I speak to clients, they often say, you know, oh, yeah, I went away on a holiday for six weeks. I felt great. Yet we're not making that connection with where we live and where we work and how we feel, especially in a lot of office setups where, you know, you've got huge amounts of electromagnetic fields and you've got someone suffering from headaches and chronic fatigue. And then they work from home and they feel, you know, 100% better. So, you know, we've got to start making those connections. Yes, it is overwhelming, but a lot of it really is simplifying. And a lot of it, you know, the same as a lot of nutritional um, ideas is that we're looking back to what our grandparents did and, you know, the sorts of things that they would do. So while, yes, there are so many things and, you know, there are 115 million um, chemicals that have been listed on the CAS site um, and, you know, there are an extra 200,000 chemicals, new chemicals listed every week. We can't keep up with those. We don't understand what, you know, what they do. There's no synergistic um we don't explore any of the synergistic effects of them and you know it's not for you know the industry sort of um has to be able to regulate itself which is why we have things like bpa that came on the market and didn't come off until you know we were seeing a huge crisis with it and even then it was you know changed over for bps which we believe to be you know similar so i think what the biggest sort of key area I want or key understanding I want people to get out of this is that we just need to really go back and simplify 
you know, and I think that's very easily done. When things like EMF, you know, we can turn our Wi-Fi off at night, we can turn our mobile phones off at night, um, our cordless phones off at night, and instantly we're reducing our exposure by 50%. And that is huge when you look at exposure rates. If you were to then only put your Wi-Fi on or only turn your, fly- your phone on when you needed it, you would be looking at 75%. If you got rid of your mobile phone and hardwired your home, you would almost be getting 100%, you know, and that is massive. That's one huge exposure being reduced if you open your windows and and allow that you know beautiful energy exchange and air exchange to occur where you reduce the humidity then all of a sudden you're reducing your exposure to things like molds to um, any off-gassing that's coming from your building materials and products and you know again that's huge as far as human health goes Um, you know changing the way that we clean our homes we don't need a window cleaner and a floor cleaner and a you know microwave cleaner and a dishwasher cleaner and you know and the list goes on it goes a long way (laughs) yeah and and so do microfiber cloths and I think um, you know I love microfiber cloths and I think everyone should basically go back to basics have a microfiber cloth a little bit of oregano oil perhaps some vinegar and you know a few drops of dishwashing liquid there's nothing that you can't get on top of there like you know every time we introduce something into our homes and into our workplace we're putting ourselves at risk and i think we really need to be mindful that these things have not been tested yeah so going back to um the wi-fi in the home yep all right so say for example um all right so say i haven't built my home yet what would be some great things that i could do um to set up things in my home so that i don't have to have that exposure first off before they're there yeah, so firstly, I would be looking at, you know, getting someone out to hardwire everything. Smart wiring the home is definitely the way forward. You can put in as many, and if you're doing it at the build stage, you can include internal walls as well. So retrofitting, you can use the external walls without having to do too much damage to your walls. Um, but, you know, putting things in like that, a lot of um, people will sort of say to me, but I don't have a port for the phone line for my computer. There are so many adapters. There are so many things that you can do. You can even get adapters that go from your wireless modem to your 240 volts um, electrical system and piggyback off that and pick up in another room without even having to smart wire. So that would be a number one thing that I would do. I would also go through and hardwire the phones. Um, Again, you know, old fashioned style. (laughs) Um, It means when the power goes out, you've still got a phone, which is great. And then also looking at at the build stage, looking at getting rid of the twin and earth cabling and putting in, you know, similar to a um, extension cord cable. And this dramatically reduces the amount of electric field that comes off. Um, Also at the build stage, we'd be looking at things like where we put the meter box um, and making sure that that's in an area that um, is not frequently used. So often I see, especially with around areas of infertility, people who are... um, have a meter box right behind the bed head and are subjected to this huge magnetic field while they're sleeping and wonder why they're not being able to conceive. That is a huge issue. Um, and the same goes for things like uh, solar power inverters. So there's a lot that we can do at the build stage, but there's a lot that we can do post-build. 
So if we can get into some of those things that we can do post-build, I know that um, I have encouraged my clients to not sleep with their phone for one under their pillow um, because it's going directly into the brain, not having the phone on the body, especially in the pockets around the reproductive yeah. organs. Um, I've heard people say, and I think I've heard you speak about um, putting the stickers on your phone, but they, yeah, I've heard that they're no good. So can you give me your two cents on that? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of my many, many pet hates, <laughs> I think most building biologists have many, many pet hates, um, is this false sense of security when it comes to using um, not so much shielding because there are some great shielding products out there, but these products that are supposed to change the dynamics of what you're being exposed to from negative to positive. Now, I do both geobiology and building biology and I really, really hate the use of these things because, you know, there is no science behind them. When I use a meter and I check in someone's home who has gone and spent hundreds of dollars on these products, it's made no difference at all to their exposure level. And I think it, you know, it creates this very false sense of security. At the end of the day, if you're sticking your mobile phone to your head, then you are increasing the amount of radiation that's being absorbed by the brain, regardless of whether you've got a sticker on the back or not. And I think that um, you can just make it simple by talking on loudspeaker, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So some things that I do love um, are air tube headphones. What's that? Never heard of that. So an air tube headphone is very similar to a normal headphone that goes into the ears. Um, the difference is, is that coming from about shoulder height up, it is just a plastic tube. So there's no... Um, copper in there there's nothing conducting the EMF all the way through to the ear which is what headphones do um, so that dramatically reduces um, your exposure straight away and that's what I use if I'm on a private conversation if it's not private um, then I use speakerphone I always keep it in my hand there's no vital organs in the hand it's on flight mode when I'm in the car and that's a really important point to make because a lot of people will notice that when they've driven you know 10 you know like I do very long distances because <laughs> I choose to live in whoop whoop um, that you know you're basically putting yourself in a microwave because it's just refracting off all of the walls um, you know so it's really important that we just start doing these little things and noticing that if you arrive somewhere after 40 minutes of talking on your phone do you feel exhausted yeah. And that reminds me, I know that um, I'm very aware of if I open windows in my car and let even that fresh air in, mm. that it definitely wakes me up. Um, and I've heard you talk about um, how we can get that good energy transfer through our home and work environment too. Yeah. So I think, um, and not so much on the building biology, but on the geobiology side of things, um, you know, Before you do that, do you want to just explain what geobiology is? So geobiology is more to do with geopathic stress and magnetic fields that come off the earth, so more earth energies rather than man-made energies. Um, when I say earth energies, though, they do include what people fragment themselves. So if you, I don't know if you've ever walked into a room of really depressed people, <laughs> but it definitely affects you energetically. Um, and that's huge for the house as well. And that, you know, the whole saying of be responsible of the energy that you bring into a space is, you know, so important because when we go through and we clear a space, we know when we declutter, we increase the energy flow, we increase the chi of the place. Um, when we allow open windows, we, again, you know, all these things increase the energy and you really should be loving where you live, you know, and 
when I go in and do a geobiology audit on someone's house, I can pick up where they have, you know, sat and then been depressed and then walked to the fridge. And then we repeat these patterns over and over and over again. It's very similar to how sort of indigenous songlines are created. We've got this fragmenting of emotion over certain certain um, areas. And unless we clear those, then the house will have a certain feel. And I think, you know, if we sort of delve a little bit further into it, we've got things like geopathic stress that's at play where we've got geological faults, magnetic lines, watercourses that go underneath the earth that, earth that disturb the magnetic uh, resonance that's coming off the earth. And, you know, when we sort of go through and we look at environmental impact and what we can look at, if someone's sleeping on a line that's going to be disturbing the energetics of the body, then we've, you know, we really need to look at correcting that. And that can be as simple as moving the bed or doing earth acupuncture. Okay. So when you noted, when you spoke about walking to a room and instantly you know when people are having a bad day, right? Because you can feel it on an yeah. energetic level. Um, I always explain to clients that's sort of like at a cellular level where vibrating, mm. literally. So, and we, we're full of energy. So energy always wants to even out so if if one person is low and you're high then it has to even out between the two and that's how i know that after a long day at work sometimes if i'm not doing things to protect myself energetically then i can come out feeling very very tired and almost like i have lived all of their stresses as well as my own at that time yeah and that's you know, it's really important to make sure that, um, you know, that the space that you are spending the most amount of time in has the highest energetic or supports your own energetics. Because, you know, with when you've got influences that override, and that includes things like Wi-Fi and um, dirty electricity, they override your own energetic system. It is so exhausting on the body to try and um, go against that because it's such a big influence that. You know, we do see people get tired. We we get emotionally tired when we've spent time around people with a low vibrational energy. And I think it's something, especially for teenagers, that we need to be aware of. You know, children tend to lift the vibration of a house. When you go into a house that has a lot of teenagers, especially in front of the mirror, it really reduces um, the supporting energy within the house. Yeah, well... So that I feel like that is a whole we could do a whole podcast. We could do a and whole I think podcast. maybe we will. So in the comments, if you want to learn even more about this, yeah, let us know because I think it's an amazing topic. But we've got about a few minutes left. Um, do you have some just some other simple tips that you can we can do now to start incorporating these things into our lives? Yeah, absolutely. Number one is take your shoes off before you enter your house. There are so many things from, you know, lead dust off the off the roads to, you know, pet dander all sorts of things that you you know pesticides australia uses a third of the world's pesticides we are you know spraying everywhere if you've been walking on the park you're going to have glyphosate on the bottom of your shoes so number one take the shoes off because we know you know everything lives in dust everything (laughs) i analyze dust everything (laughs) lives in dust trust me um from viruses to bacteria to everything um Number two, be really protective of your breathing space. So where you're sleeping at night, 
um, the pillow that you're, you know, possibly dribbling on, that really needs to be kept clean. We know that, you know, house, 20% of the population are allergic to house dust mite. There's, you know, we lose a teaspoon of skin every day, which feeds about a million of them. And over a three-month period, they will drop uh, 40 trillion fecal pallets on your bed. So, you know, let's think about if you've got sinus or allergies or anything or eczema, you know, let's really focus on making sure that we've got dust mite covers on things that we're using silk sheets mainly um you know things sounds very essential yeah yeah well it yeah it all comes down to sort of the filtration size and silk um won't pass the micron size of a dust mite so yeah it you know it's a good excuse to get some silk sheets. <laughs> <laughs> um you know obviously as i mentioned before microfibers i definitely need to mention um, a good HEPA vacuum cleaner. So that is probably the most important item in your home apart from microfiber cloths because it can filter down to 0.3 micron and less, which means it's picking up viruses, bacteria, fungi, hyphae, um, dust mites, anything that is breeding or sort of going through the home. And that's really important because it's kind of purifying the air that you're breathing. Um, as I said before, open your windows. Try and reduce the amount of plastics that you have. I love bee wraps. I think they're amazing. Um, I change everything over. I go mad in Woolies when they've got half price on their Pyrex glass <laughs> containers, you know, changing over from plastic to glass. Um, and just being mindful of what you introduce. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so, so <laughs> much for your wealth of knowledge. Really appreciate it. Um, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, feels like they need a consult or just wants to learn more information, where can they find you? Yeah. So um, the website is www.buildingbiologywa.com.au. If you're interested more about the energetics, that is um, geoharmony.com. Uh, org that one <laughs> it's it's we'll put it in the show yeah notes. We'll, we'll put that one in the links um but you know and being mindful that every case is completely different so it's really important that i'm able to tailor things to what people actually need the symptoms or what they're looking to get out of the audit great well again thank you so much for being here guys this is Jacinda from the inspired optimist and you've been listening to the inspired optimist podcast if you feel like this information is very valuable for your loved ones please share it with them leave your comments and of course give me a five-star rating on itunes have a beautiful day bye for now this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.